OSL is the leading distributor of radiotherapy patient positioning equipment and physics QA products for the UK and Ireland, supplying both the NHS and private sectors. We are currently running winter lunchtime on-site sessions discussing the superficial and ortho-voltage treatment portfolio that we distribute for WOMED, owned by Baybig. This comprehensive KV unit portfolio ranges from energies of 50 to 300 KV with excellent patient and staff safety features and we offer an incredible service and support package for your engineering team to ensure a smooth and efficient service for your patients. Please do get in touch if you require further information. And finally, as always, do not hesitate to discuss your product and service requirements with our friendly and knowledgeable account specialists as and when required. We are all from a radiotherapy background and we are more than happy to chat about the clinical benefits and the workflow of all of our products. Please go to our website at www.osl.uk.com or if you would like to speak to us, please call 01743 462 694. Hi, my name is Laura and I work at Convensis as a Partnerships Manager. Join us at the NHS Oncology Conference on the 6th of June 2023 in Manchester. We will open the debate on how the NHS is planning to lean on new models of delivery and innovation to help manage the current treatment backlogs and improve outcomes on a national scale. All tickets are free for the NHS to attend. To register for your free ticket, visit convensis.co.uk. Hello everyone and welcome to Rad Chat, the multi-award winning first therapeutic radiographer-led oncology podcast. Welcome to podcast number 82. My name is Namanjor Cranson and I'm joined by fellow host Joe McNamara. Evening everyone. A big thank you to our last guest, Dr Michael Merchant, who talked about proton beam therapy research and his incredible career. If you haven't had a chance yet, please do go take a listen. So we're very pleased to introduce our guest for this evening, Cheryl Cruz, who will be discussing her experience of cancer and why breast density matters. Hi Cheryl. Hi there, hi Naaman, hi Joe. So if you feel comfortable, Cheryl, could you just tell us a little bit about your experience of cancer and cancer treatment? Absolutely, yeah, indeed. I'm a retired French teacher, now living in France, and back in 2016 I turned 50 years old and I received an invitation to attend a routine mammogram appointment. So I have no family history of cancer, I don't smoke, I rarely drink alcohol, and I'm pretty much average weight. Um, so I wasn't particularly concerned pre-mammo. Um, after the mammo, I was told to return to the changing cubicle. And I always tell this story because I think it's quite rare and, and people in the UK might not understand this, but on the door of the cubicle, there was a simple A4 sheet of paper. And when you translated it, it basically said, you are having a mammogram, you may have an extra scan, an ultrasound, but do not be concerned. This is to help your doctor when reading images. So I was asked then to go into another room and I had an ultrasound examination in that room and I didn't have a clue why this was. I was getting a little bit nervous to be perfectly honest. Um, the radiologist didn't seem particularly concerned but he could see something on the ultrasound that he couldn't see on the mammogram. And he explained he wanted me to return the following week for a biopsy, which I did. Um, 
the biopsy, obviously it was a week, I had the biopsy and after that week it was another week of waiting and it was scanxiety and it was terrifying and I, you know, I didn't know what to expect. The biopsy confirmed that I had invasive, as an invasive tumour, a grade one eight millimetre. So obviously incredibly shocked, incredibly shocked. No, I didn't expect that at all. Um, so then we went on and then we were starting to look at treatment. Um, I was told by my GP, my doctor who spoke to me about it, I would have a lumpectomy. He was very calm about it. Um, he said, oh, women have lumpectomies all the time, you know, and I know the person that does it. And you, I didn't need a mastectomy. I didn't obviously have reconstruction and I didn't need chemo. I had several weeks of radiotherapy, um, but I can, came to realise over a course of time that my cancer had been found very, very early. So it wasn't, in my case, um, luck. It was the fact that I'd received the appropriate screening on my dense breast tissue. So that's really my story of early diagnosis. So you mentioned there, Cheryl, about breast density. Can you tell us a little bit about what that actually means? Yeah, sure. Um, dense breasts, right. Okay, so we've got dense breast tissue. Basically, um, it's glandular tissue. It's, um, you can't feel it. You can't, uh, you, a mammogram detects it. It determines it. Um, and mammograms are less effective on dense breast tissue. And that's why in some of the different countries, in France, for example, in Austria, most definitely, um, it's standard practice. Once you've had a mammogram, your um, density will be determined visually, no doubt, by a radiologist. And they will assess it and grade it A, B, C, D. A um, is basically fatty. B is scattered fibular granular density, C is heterogeneously dense, or D is extremely dense. And the two categories that are considered dense breasts are the C and the D. And in those countries, and many, many other countries in Europe as well, that all the details I can talk about later, um, women in those countries, for routine national screening, if they have a mammogram, they're not symptomatic, they have no, no symptoms, no signs, they will, um, the recommendation is that they will have an ultrasound following a mammogram, even if the mammogram is clear. So are there are quite a few different factors that can affect someone's breast density. Um, in terms of, um, this is a really good question, Naomi, because um, I will refer to the website now because I am a patient and I'm not a radiologist and I'll always put my hand up and say that. I know a lot about density. I've been studying it for five or six, well, six years now, seven years now. Um, and on the website of densebreastinfo.org, I'll tell you about that a bit later, but they have all the questions basically there. And there's questions like, can I lower my breast density? Um, there's no guidelines for that. I can tell you that much. But again, I will refer to that a bit later. And if you go into that website, there are over 40, 50 FAQs that have got, it's medically sourced, written by imaging experts, and they will to answer all your questions. Um, some, it's not, when we talk about fatty tissue, we're not talking about actual fatty tissue. We, you know, that's not the, the, the size of the person as such, okay? It's the type of tissue we're talking about, not the size of the person. So Cheryl, what is breast density 
UK. It's I know it's a charity that is uh, close to your heart. Um, can you tell us about how you started it and and how that's kind of developed over the yeah. years? Sure. Sure. So Breast Density Matters UK. Now, yes, I'm in France, but my focus then was basically in a, in a nutshell was I decided to tell everybody. I used to be a teacher and I love education and I just decided, right, OK, let's just tell everybody out there. Like all my cousins, all my aunties, everybody. You know, I've got a daughter. I've got to tell her to, you know, she's going to be an ambassador. And um, yeah. And on the build up to my surgery, I had researched breast density. And basically what I did was I was on the internet in the garden um, and I basically thought to myself, I found a lot of women in the UK who had had cancers and had, they'd been hidden in dense breast tissue and detected at a much later stage. Um, they were trying to raise awareness. They went as far as going to Westminster and raising awareness. Um, so uh, then in the July, I had my lumpectomy. Just I was in at 8 in the morning. I was home by 7 p.m., really quick. Um, and I came home and I had to supposedly rest for a little while. You know, So basically what I did was two days after my lumpectomy, I decided to form Breast Density Matters UK, um, a patient advocacy. And I felt it was really important to raise awareness, um, to educate women, to understand what is meant by breast density and dense breasts and when they attend a mammogram maybe to ask about it. Um, it's in, I, as time went on, um, in, especially in the first year, I suddenly realised it was so important that for them when they went for the mammogram to be equipped to know what to ask with the knowledge about dense breasts because they weren't going to be told about it to be honest. Okay. Increased risk, which I didn't mention earlier, there's a double whammy. There's an increase, the denser your breasts, the higher the risk of developing breast cancer. Okay, so increased risk of developing breast cancer and understand that um, mammograms are less effective on dense breast tissue and cancers can be hidden and they can be missed without the supplemental screening on those dense, dense breasts. So really, that's how it all started. Um, and then it just really sort of um, escalated from there and, and things changed quite a lot after that, yeah, within Europe too, yeah. You've been studying it for six or seven years. Sounds like you could have got a PhD from it, Cheryl. <laughs> well, I actually honestly feel that, yeah, we've written scientific papers. I mean, I've been very lucky, incredibly lucky, the people that I'm working with. You know, they're international breast imaging experts. You know, there's scientists, there's oncologists, um, radiographers, um, not therapeutic radiographers I've not been working with, so you're my first two. Um, so that's brilliant. But, you know, it's there's such a range of people that have really supported this um, and through education really pushing this and saying, you know, the guidelines might be the guidelines uh, wherever, UK, whichever country we're talking about here, but this is education and everybody can learn through education, yeah. What are the guidelines, Cheryl? in the UK for mammography at the moment? Right, it's a mammogram alone. In terms of, um, I'm so, I didn't have any treatment in the UK, so I've never accessed the, the screening system there. But obviously I've got a lot of people that do help me, a lot of women that contact me, um, a lot of women that want help, they want to understand it, and they haven't got that access in the UK. There is, um, 
there is no UK uh, NHS nor breast uh, cancer uh, charity that supply this information. They're not reliable. There is, it doesn't exist. So I'm in France, but this is where they come to. They come and ask me. So um, yeah, the guidelines, Joe, you were asking is basically if you go for your mammogram every three years, whereas in Europe it's every two years, generally speaking, um, starting age 50 UK and you'll have your mammogram um, and even if you've got dense breasts, um, there is no option of uh, supplemental ultrasound. Um, things are changing in Europe. Again, I can talk about that in a little while in Europe. There are some recommendations now coming along in Europe that's going, um, that might change things, hopefully. It's quite interesting, obviously, before we spoke, I think, look, thinking back to my education and obviously being on the job, it's not really something that I've ever come across, uh, specifically around density. I mean, we, we learn different things in radiotherapy, obviously, of the impact of denser tissue and how that can affect and dealing higher energy and the effect of side effects but yeah it's, it, it's interesting because it, it's still not quite well recognized but I know Joe you might tell me that I'm wrong but no it's not something that we would necessarily teach about in terms of kind of radiobiology will touch upon density um, and obviously from a radiotherapy planning perspective but from a screening perspective it's not something that I think we necessarily cover Cheryl what's your um What's your experience been in terms of the education that mammography students get around breast yeah, density? That's a really great question. I mean, it's lacking, you know, I mean, a radiographer, student radiographers have contacted me actually quite recently. Um, and they said to me, we've just taken this the CME course. Again, I'll talk to you about it just a second in a second. And she, she, they were saying it's fantastic. It really is fantastic. It's a free course. It tells you everything you'll ever want to know about um dense breast, breast density, and there is, um, there's a reference and a link that I will supply to you, which is, um, there's a gap in knowledge of uh, radiologic technologists, basically. It was carried out in the US, but it still applies, basically. There is, and I remember the student saying to me, um, we are taught about tissue, but just very, very basic very basic information not to the degree that you've got on the website there on the densebreastinfo.org europe website you know it's comprehensive it's been built by imaging experts and studies they i was really shocked to find out after my sort of studying this over the years that they go back 40 years you know studies go back 40 years or more in fact actually on density and it's well known and it's incredibly well known here um you know if you go for a mammogram women know women talk to me say oh yeah i had an ultrasound yeah they don't quite know maybe know why they've had an ultrasound but yeah so it's um it's now you know that that's where the issue is if you if you really are not informed of what the situation is and how effective that screening is for you then something's lacking there um you know, you really do need to have a bigger picture, a full picture of what, how effective that screening is going to be for you. A personalised screening, that's what I got. I got personalised screening. Do, I mean, is France private healthcare? I'm just, maybe a controversial question, but is there a slight difference here around it? 
No, no, it's not. Con no, not controversial at all. The, the invitation that I got was national screening. I was fifty. I'd hit fifty. I didn't. I wasn't opportunistic. I didn't decide. Oh, I need to have my breast screen. You know, I. You get that invitation. It's national screening, um, and that's a really good point at, at that point. So it's not private. You can go private. You can go to clinics, etc. Um, but I'd gone to national. So um, at that point, that's probably a good point because Joe was asking about the uh, CM uh, education in terms of that. And you were type and Damon, you were talking about um, different sort of screenings. And the Dense Breast Info website is a non-profit, okay, and it's a medically sourced website, and it was developed, as I said earlier, using it by international breast imaging experts. Now we've got up to twenty-two countries now that have helped us with that website, and on that website, that's a very informative. There's a comparative table, and it tells you all about um, what the guidelines are there in each country. Um, what age women start their screening in national, what age they stop, um, the interval, is it every two years, is it every three years? And if dense breasts are detected, what actually happens? So is ultrasound recommended or not? And there's also a big write-up of every single country on the actual guidelines um, and high risk as well. So that's really, I would have said that was incredibly informative for radiographers, therapeutic radiographers, for everybody, oncologists, radio, uh, radiologists. It's a great um, educational website. There's, there's patient tools on it. There is a um, video series on it. Um, there's a risk checklist. There's a patient fact sheet. It goes on and on and on. And, and anything you ever would want to know. And that's why uh, they invited me to join them in 2018. They wanted to expand into Europe. They'd heard about my work in the UK via France. And they said, could you help us expand this education into Europe? And I said, yes, absolutely. Of course I can, you know. Um, because they've got a great medical board behind them um, and again another voluntary you know job that I do but it's a European education coordinator and it's um, we're, we're trying to disseminate this free education for everybody and it's a great resource the CME is brilliant and I would recommend it to, to everybody it's, it's suitable for everybody yeah what does CME stand for it's the um, Continuing Medical Education, or CE, uh, Continuing Education. So it's a bit like CPD, basically, yeah. And Cheryl, in terms of kind of the international um, agenda, what are the changes that you mentioned that are going on at the moment? Right. In terms of um, changes going on, we've got the... There's an organisation called... Um, the European Society of Breast Imaging, okay, and basically in March 2022, they came up with some recommendations, and the recommendations are that women should be, if they have dense breasts, they should be informed of their dense breasts um, and their category, um, and that was a, there was a paper published on that. Um, there was also... Um, I'm just trying to think, but yeah, March 22, and, and that is not European guidelines. Now, that's where the, the people get a bit confused. They're recommendations. Nobody's actually adopted this yet, okay? So the Eurosobi, I'll read this bit out for you, so just to be accurate, so I'm not misquoting anybody. Um, 
basically, Usovi now recommends that supplemental screening is recommended for women with extremely dense breasts. So that's the D category, okay? Not the C category. So you have to be really high density to be able to be recommended to have supplemental screening, okay? It also recommends Usovi, which is the short version of the European Society of Breast Imaging, now recommends that such supplemental screening should be done preferably with MRI, where MRI is unavailable, ultrasound in combination with mammography may be used as an alternative. Okay, so, and the add-on is, as I was saying at the beginning, in addition, USOBI recommends that women should be quote, appropriately informed about their individual breast density in order to help them make well-balanced choices. Obviously, with the screening then, Cheryl, I mean, with that definition as well, I presume, oh, I'm presuming, obviously, do, does every country have slightly different screening regimes? Because if you're trying to coordinate, and I mean, there, there aren't any guidelines as well, just thinking how it might be standardised. Yeah, I mean, they do. I mean, I, I it opened my eyes, most definitely. I think, like I say, we've got about 20-ish uh, on, on the website, um, on the densebreastinfo.org website. Um, in Europe, um, from Austria, which is standard um, in terms of mammography, um, ultrasound as a supplemental, um, MRI in some cases. Um, and, then, and then there were countries um, that don't have national screening, they only have opportunistic, so you know people can't go. They have to choose to go themselves or get referred if they are symptomatic. So there are there is a big range, Damon, of um, but there is of screening guidelines. But there is the recommendation. Quite a lot of broad, if you look at the table on the website, there is quite a big recommendation that if you have dense breast in a lot of those countries, then you really should be getting ultrasound as a supplement. For anyone listening at the moment, Cheryl, I'm just, I'll be honest, I'm still a little bit confused as to what it means to have dense breasts. So you've got A to, to E or D, sorry, did you say? Um, but if, if you had to put it in, a, I don't know, in layman's terms for someone to just understand, for any of our listeners, how would you explain it? I would explain it um, literally like a dense book, basically. If you, you know, if you, if you go in a mammogram and the cancer is sitting behind here, um, then sitting behind the and the cancer's hidden in that thick dense and the, the basically the mammogram can't see through cannot see through and you it, it, it will struggle to actually view that cancer again there's some animated um, visuals on the website which shows you a cancer in category A shows a ca cancer in category B a cancer in category C and a cancer in category D, and within the C and the D, as it transfers into those categories, the more dense tissue you've got, the thicker almost, being dense like a forest, I guess, you know, the thicker that dense, the higher amount of it that you've got, the harder it is to see that cancer. So I suppose it's a little bit around tissue differentiation, isn't it, where you have a very yeah. dense, compact tumour, uh, where you have highly replicating cells, if you have dense tissue, the tumour isn't easily differenti differentiated um, on a mammography, whereas obviously if you have fattier areas of tissue, it's easier 
to be able to identify those those difference exactly yeah so you know if you if you're a woman with just as an example if you're a woman with fatty tissue and majority fatty tissue a that mammogram quite possibly will pick up your cancers if you've got cancer present um the issue is as we said a bit earlier if you've got more of that dense tissue and it's C and there's a lot of it extremely in D and there is a cancer in there, there's going to be really tricky to pick it up. And so Cheryl, what is um, the charity doing in terms of advocating for change? Because I would imagine that ideally standardisation across the entire of Europe and in, and beyond internationally would be would be the kind of gold standard and knowing that obviously women are not being diagnosed every year as a consequence of having dense breast tissue how, how's the charity moving forward to kind of push for that change um to the guidelines yeah I mean we, we're trying we're trying really hard I mean we've been doing that for a long time now we've been to Westminster at least three four five times maybe um you know and we're still going we're still talking to MPs we're still talking to breast cancer now we're talking to all the charities we're trying to get others to support it um initially back in 2019 that's a good question actually in 2019 um they did review the National Screening Committee did review um on dense breasts and uh, adding ultrasound in and unfortunately it was rejected it was it, the recommendation wasn't taken on board um now a lot of that is um there are ongoing trials on that's the good news there are ongoing trials in the whole in the uk which has been rolled out um so if a woman goes for her mammogram in certain towns in the uk and in scotland um, and they see dense breasts they are invited to participate in a trial that tests um, and they might be offered extra screening of some sort, maybe ultrasound, maybe MRI, maybe something else. So that is good news. But to answer your question, really, in what are we doing? Um, we are trying alongside those trials because that's the problem with trials. They take a long time and they take longer than they possibly should and, and cancer we all say you know cancer's not going to wait and we've got to catch the women that are falling through the net that's the way I see it um, yes ideally of course initially it was going to be let's add ultrasound maybe as a supplement but now now that we've moved on from there all those this, these years later and now we're talking MRI maybe for extremely dense breasts so the goalposts change a little bit and we've got to move with it um, so we're basically saying if you're not guidelines are guidelines studies are studies trials you've got these going on they'd probably be extended so they'll go on for another two three four years whatever it is and if that's going to happen in the meantime there is an estimated and we have got a reference for this at a conference they calculated approximately 3,500 women um, cancers rather are missed in dense breast in the UK each year Okay, now I've been doing this since 2016 and the woman before me that was doing it, uh, that was helping me, unfortunately she's not with us anymore, um, she had metastatic cancer, she was doing it from 2014, 2015. So calculate it for yourself, you know, it's a lot of cancers missed and um, those women, what treatment have they had, what treatment have they needed, you know, um, 
ideally it would have been much better if they'd had personalised screening, obviously. Um, and the studies will take a long time. We've just got to catch, catch it. And so we, all we can do to answer your question, Joe, is to really push the education. And we've got requests for density forms that we developed and said, like, take this with you to your mammogram, have a conversation. You might not get the answer. It's unlikely you'll get the answer to that. But then contact me and then we'll try and navigate the system and then we'll try and get you your answer. So from a mammographer's perspective, I'm bigging up our diagnostic colleagues now, um, unheard of on Rad Chat, only joking. Um, <laughs> in terms of their role, so if a patient comes very informed to their mammography appointment and says, I've been in contact with Cheryl, she's informed me that I need to find out if I've got dense breasts, is that something then that a mammographer is going to be able to kind of tell that patient there and then? No, they're not. They're not. They're basically not. They're, you know, it's not, it's not their responsibility, I've no doubt, to, to do that. Um, it's, going to lead, it's going to fall with a radiologist. If the radiologist is uh, visually... Right, let's start again. In the UK, breast density isn't assessed in national screening. It's not recorded and it's not reported okay so if it's none of those are happening anyway because it's not guidelines to do that yeah and it should be obviously and this is what other this is what the european involvement are now saying this is what should be happening and it's your scans it's your information okay so um we are. There's the, there's the one that one problem, Joe, is we've got the lack of knowledge of it in the first place, and the next thing is not just the lack of knowledge. It's your hands are tied. What can you give it? It's not protocol. So a lot of women will contact me and say and send me their letters and say this is what I got back, and it's no, I'm sorry, we can't provide this information to you. Joe, you've talked obviously about women. Does this density? you know the breast density side does it apply to men so i think 300 men get breast cancer a year as well it's a good question it's something i looked up before i came on the call actually because i thought i might get asked that question um no it doesn't uh, i won't elaborate on that it's just a pure no um and uh again everything i get asked in terms of density apart from the basics i will always refer back to the website or if I don't know the answer directly, I will email some one of my breast radiologists, wherever they are, and I will say, I need an answer to your question. A woman's asked me this question. I need an answer. Okay. It's no good me giving out certain information because I'm not a breast radiologist. I can't do that. Yeah. I'm not a medical expert. So, yeah, but the answer I do know is no for that. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, you've talked about your European involvement. Um, so, you... Obviously, we use quite a few acronyms, but the European Society of Radiology. Um, obviously, we've been very fortunate. We won an, an amazing award this year. So when this podcast goes out, I think it's a few days before the next conference. So we won the Patient Centred Care Award, um, which I believe you had a bit of a part into. So thank you very much. Can you tell us a bit more about your work with them? Yeah. Um, so where did we start there? Yes. So basically, my connection with Dense Breast Info, we're moving on from there in the US, they invited me on board. And because I, re I recruited as such some voluntary helpers from all the different countries, being breast radiologists, that close connection brought me in touch with the ESR, the European Society of Radiology in Vienna. So I was in constant contact with them because I was help building the website. That's basically what was happening. 
So we launched that in 2018. And on the end of that, um, I discovered there was a patient advisory group there. And I can't remember the exact system and how I got to, to get involved with it. But I was basically invited along to be a patient rep on a patient member. So that's exactly what I did. And the, the it's a voluntary group. It's made up of radiology experts and patients. Um, and yeah, the, and I'm going to read out again this little bit for you, exactly what their goal is, because I think it's quite interesting, actually. The goal of the ESR PAG is to bring patients, the public, and imaging professionals together to positively influence advances in the field of medical imaging to the benefit of patients in Europe. Um, and just to go on and finish off on that one is um, last year at ECR, I go every year in Vienna, um, the theme was patients in focus um, and the PAG members, including myself, PAG members, again, you said acronyms, yeah, the patient advisory group members, we were really heavily involved. We had a huge programme. We were running around quite crazy. We were giving loads of lectures, loads of interviews. It was crazy and it was really good fun. Um, but it was a super, super, super opportunity to shine the light on patient-centred radiology and the patient's needs. We write papers together, um, so joint radio radiologists and radiographers and patients, we, we sort of couple together and we work throughout the year in our spare time and we write papers and we get them published, like ESR statements and things. And the last one we did, which um, I'll just quickly tell you about, was um, published in 2022. It was called What Radiologists Need to Know About Patients' Expectations. Okay, now that had a lot of radiographer input on that. Um, and then we've got other papers planned. And within that, there was a poster which was called Always Consider the Needs of Your Patients. And that's available. That's been blown up and that's been displayed in... I had somebody contacted me in Ireland the other day and they said, we've got your poster. It's up on the wall. We're using it. And I was like, great. That's really good news. So that's available. That will be given out in Vienna in uh, on the booth, on the stand at the the advisory for and that you know this, these are things these are tools these are patient tools that's really going to help people and healthcare professional tools so that's really to answer your question about esr keeps us busy yeah how has the patient advisory group how did they find obviously all the work that you did around trying to get things accepted for guidelines so when it was rejected how did they kind of feel about it it's interesting because obviously all the, 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 yeah, the patient advisory group, they, they, they work, we work as a group, we're, we're in all different countries, you know, right across the of Europe, um, they focus on their, not necessarily their country, but they know what's standard practice in their country, they know what the guidelines are in their, their country. It's all, by the way, it's all different radiology um, diseases. It's, it's not, obviously, not just breast cancer. We're not talking about that. So now we're delving into patient communication, things like that, um, and radiology tools. So um, next week I'll be talking in Vienna and looking at the importance of patient tools. And the group really, we have meetings online and we will meet up, obviously, at the conference. And the, the, the aim is to come up with initiatives, to come up with ideas, to come up with things that are going to improve care, things that are going to improve communication. Communication is a huge one, really big subject with us, you know, just 
trying to link radiologists with patients and trying to get them to see them and it's really difficult really difficult it's quite frustrating because the systems in the uh, europe are really different from in the uk it's, i can speak to my radiologist you know one-to-one -one quite easily um not always the case you know in some countries yeah that's really interesting cheryl that you've got that direct communication and i know that's maybe something that happens within the private sector here in the uk that that can fuel the patient advocacy and the patient knowledge to be able to advocate for themselves i know just speaking on personal experience of having relatives who've gone through cancer diagnoses being able to kind of talk to them specifically about the radiologist report that isn't something automatically that every patient gets within the nhs having said that i had amazing histopathology report that i got emailed to me um from my um, surgeon, which I thought was amazing because it does, even if you're not medically trained, being able to kind of know what your diagnosis is, what your body's like on the inside, you know, it's really important because it helps inform you. And when there is information and resources available, like on the website that you've created, it allows patients to find out information and then advocate for themselves. What's next? What's next for you and, and kind of everything that you're doing? Right, okay. So next week I will be going to ECR, um, to Vienna, and I will be speaking. I've got a couple of lectures. Um, in the longer term, I'd love to think I could retire again because I'm actually a sheep farmer in my spare time. So that, we've got lambing coming up and I'm really excited about that. Um, but no, I, I just, I can't, I can't retire yet. It's the breast density education is so, so important. You know, it's always has been for these last several years. I'm compelled to keep going. Um, it's part of every single day of my life, you know, um, and, uh, the, you know, it's generally speaking, it's knowing and understanding about your breast density can mean the difference between an early stage and a late stage diagnosis. And that just says it all really. So you know, if, 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 if we're just helping, early diagnosis is key. Um, we've got, I've got to help, we've got to help. If we can help others to detect their cancers at an early, earliest stage possible, then that's what we need to do, you know. Um, and if the education is a way of doing that, then, you know, that's what I'll continue to do. Um, yeah, it, it's just so important, really, really important to just keep this work going, yeah, and catch those women that are falling through the nets, yeah. So we're coming towards the end, Cheryl. What, um, I mean, you've given us quite a few great tips already so far, but what are some of the top tips you give to any patients or students or healthcare people listening? Um, okay, so what I would do is my take-home message, um, and this is for everyone, it's really simple and everyone can do this. Um, please, just please, please take the time and this is women and men, not just because at conferences, men used to come up to me and I'd start to talk to them about it and they would look at me and say, well, I, no, I don't need to know. I said, yes, you do need to know about this. You do need to know about this. You can, you know, you've got women in your life. Tell them about it, please. Talk to them about it, you know. It doesn't matter. Um, so, yeah, educate yourself. Educate yourself about dense, breast density. It's not rocket science. really isn't, you know. Um, just understand that if women having a mammogram 
it's not going to be as effective on dense tissue. You've got, there's different types of tissue. If you've got the thicker glandular tissue, you might need supplementing, supplemental straining. So knowing about it, take action and try. If you do have dense breasts and if you try and find that out, which is your information, as I said before, it's your scans, your information. Okay. Yeah, try and access the appropriate screening. It might not be available on NHS, I agree, you know, and it might be a cost involved. But there's so many women that have been diagnosed at a later stage. said, if I'd only known, if I'd known that, I would have had the choice. At least I would have had a choice. I could have maybe made some decisions, okay? So it can potentially save breasts, heartache, pain, um, harsh treatments. I didn't suffer any of that. I had a good cancer experience, if you could say that, really. Um, and it can save lives, you know. Um, so please, if you, anything you want to know about breast density, please do go to that medically um, sourced website, the, the one that I'm talking about, densebreastinfo.org Europe. And you'll find, if you've got any questions, um, they, you should be able to get them answered there. And if you can't, then certainly contact me and I will try and get your questions answered. Perfect. Thank you so much. Um, and yeah, thank you again uh, to com for coming on to Rad Chat. It's been very informative. Um, I think we have to get a mammographer on, Joe. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you for everyone to listen to Rad Chat. Uh, so your hosts today have been uh, me, Sonam and Jill Anderson and Joe McNamara. If you utilising this podcast for CPD purposes, uh, consider the reflector questions posted, along with all the links to resources and literature that we've discussed. To receive your accredited CPD certificate, please complete the Google form link to the podcast. So our next guest to feature will be Dr. Lisa Ashmore for the second time, who will be discussing her career and the Guyanese Narratives project that she was involved with. Thank you for listening and take care.